My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives it. Well, that, who said that? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one. The Prince of Peace is the only one that can give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. Don't look to peace in politics, in the weatherman, in global warming, in climate change. Peace is found only in Christ. My name is Jesse Romero, and I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of our Lady. Jesse, you know I'm fired up about today's show. I love to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and about how he has to offer the meaning and purpose of life. And it's the Orthodox Jesus Christ. I don't want this phony baloney, watered-down Catholicism that in some places we find. So I'm happy that you're here listening to us because today's talk shows we're going to be covering topics like uh, Elon Musk and Bill Maher discuss the woke mind virus. I like that. And the radicalization of the left. It's a video. I want you to hear it, and then we'll talk about that. Also, I'm going to, we're going to cover a couple cardinals who are heretics. I call material heretics, mm-hmm. saying that the mass of Paul VI corresponds to a new theology of their own. Uh, if they read Lumen Gentium, and the, the, what the church, the Roman Missal, they'll find out that that's not the same faith I'm talking about. And then, Jesse, this is kind of interesting. 85% of Republican voters want a presidential nominee to challenge the woke ideas. I think people are coming up and saying, I've had enough of this stuff. I mean, I was at the playground with my four, three-year-old grandson and this guy who is not living a Catholic faith, but he says, yeah, this wokeness is just madness. So I think we're at that time right now where it's being called out and it needs to be called out. But Jesse, for your good-to-know file, sit down when I tell you this one. America debt debacle owes, are you ready, a whopping $7 trillion to foreign governments, and a lot of it is going to China. Foreign governments, $7 trillion. Also, good to know file. We're talking about Elon Musk. He says, a single world government could lead to an end of civilization at World Government Summit. This is where he talked about subsidiarity, a Catholic principle, Jess. I've sometimes, it puzzles me because Elon Musk says things sometimes that are so Mm -hmm. good and other yeah. times, not good. So I think he's a mixed bag, but I think we need to continue to pray for him because uh, th- look at the influence that man has on the world. So those are my yeah. two good-to-know files. How about yourself, Jess? Yeah, and also, Terry, he's, you know, he's been working on electric vehicles. All and life. Uh, all his life. So that, that's not exactly a conservative cause that he, that he touts. And he admits it. He yeah. says, you know, what I do is not conservative with all this electric vehicles and space stuff. You know, it's 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 progr- he calls it progressive and liberal. He's, but 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 in terms of his thinking, yeah. he's starting to see that the woke mind progressive thought is dangerous. Even though he's part of it through technology, but oh. uh, yeah. The, the last thing I want to mention, I think, yeah, you just said it, Terry. What's that? Eighty-five percent of Republican voters yeah. want a presidential nominee to challenge woke ideas, according to a poll. So that's on the Republican side. <clears throat> I don't know about the Democrat side, but uh, the only person that I know that'll challenge woke ideas. Well, there's a few. No, there's a couple. I agree. There's there's a couple, but but without a doubt, Trump, Trump has already oh, yeah. proven himself and, that he will. And Jesse, just a quick note. The I saw this last week. If there was an election today between Trump and Biden, he's got an eight percent lead on Biden right now. That's what the the numbers are showing. So. I, I think it's going to get even worse for Mr. Biden. I'll tell you why, Jesse. The longer he's in, the worse it's going to get. And here's my, here's my ad. Are you ready? I'm not in. Uh, here's. Were you better off four years ago? Remember that one 1980 that Ronald Reagan ran? 
That's what won. That's what won his presidency because Jimmy Carter had that high inflation and similar things going on. Were you better four years ago? Yes or no? If yes, okay, then pick Jimmy Carter. If no, let me have a shot at it. And Reagan did it for eight years, and people were happy. And my point is, that's why I think President Biden is going to lose hands down because the longer he's in, the more devastating effects and negative effects are going to have on families. And I'll and I'll simplified i'll tell you why president biden biden makes so many mistakes fundamentally it's because when you're living in mortal sin it makes you intellectually blind great point and and so people don't realize they're saying man why is this guy governed so poorly people don't realize because he's a baptized catholic yeah he doesn't have sanctifying grace in the soul good point his soul is dark his intellect is dark so what do you expect you're going to get dark pieces of legislation and it, remind, it reminds me of that phrase that Nefarious said in, oh, in, the, yeah. in the movie. Nefarious said, he said it in Aramaic and in Latin, but I'll just say it in English. He said this at the end of the movie. He said this, quoting Daniel 5.27. You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting, yeah. but you are too stupid to realize it. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah. Terry, uh, at oh, this rate, wow. I'm telling you, that's, that's what Joe Biden's going to hear. You when he it. dies, and, yep. he's, and he's close to it, yep. he's going to hear, because we're all going to be weighed in the balance. He's going to hear, by the Lord, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting, yep. but, you, but you are too stupid to realize it. And for him, you were too stupid to realize it your whole entire life. That's why we need to pray for that, man, because it's never too late, but it doesn't look good, Jess. Hey, let's uh, no. let's get some soul food in our soul, brother. John 14, 27 to 37, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, <clears throat> peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away and I will come back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will no longer speak with you, for the ruler of of the world is coming. Who's he referring to there? He's referring to Satan. The ruler of this world is coming. And he, and, and he says, <clears throat> For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does our Lord mean by peace? Shalom. It's not a worldly peace. It's not when people at the Novus Ordo Mass, you know, during the sign of peace, they, they're, they're, they put their two fingers up and they're going around the church like this, like this to everybody. That's hippie peace. That's Woodstock peace. That's worldly peace. That's not shalom. Shalom in the New Testament doesn't mean, hey, we protest the Vietnam War, peace, peace. No, that's not what it means. Shalom means reconciliation with God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what it means. That's true peace. Not sticking your two fingers in the, up in the air during the sign of peace at the Novus Ordo Mass. That's fake Woodstock peace. 
So what did our Lord also mean in verse 28 where he says the Father is greater than I? And because I'm t- the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons will use this when they talk to you. They'll say, well, you guys believe in the Trinity. Well, here Jesus Christ says the Father is greater than I. How can God be greater than God? So look it. The Son is equal to the Father in his divinity, but less than the Father in his humanity. One sentence. I'm going to explain it to you. It's Apologetics 101. Yep. God the Son is equal to God the Father in his divinity, but God the Son is less than God the Father in his humanity. That simple. Don't complicate it. And none of the divine persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, none of them exceeds the other in greatness or glory in the eternal trinity. But there is, there is a relational hierarchy amongst the trinity, uh, just like in my family, I'm not greater than, than my wife or my kids. I'm not greater than them. But in, in the hierarchy of the family, I do have paternity. So there's a distinction between me and my That's wife right. and my kids. Mm-hmm. Same with the Trinity. The father alone possesses paternity and he has the distinction of being entirely without origin. Our Lord also said in verse 30, calls the ruler of the world. That's a direct reference to Satan, yep. period. He pulled no punches. And in verse 31, where our Lord says, I love the Father, this is the only place in the gospel where Jesus verbalizes his love for God the Father. I mean, we don't doubt that he does, but this is where he actually verbalizes it. Because everything that he does, he honors the Father. And he says it, I'm doing this to honor the Father. But this time, he actually says that he loves the Father. And, uh, and and, And Jesus Christ, what was his gift from the Father? To make of himself a gift on the cross for us to the Father. And so uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, it, with the second person in the Trinity, eternally pours himself out in love to the Father through his paschal mystery, the actions of Calvary. Terry? Well said. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. Again, ties right into what Jesse said about sin. Bishop Sheen says... Everyone who is conscious of sin knows that his sin deserves punishment. But if sin or guilt is denied, like it is in our culture, the need for punishment finds its outlet vicariously in a love of violence visited upon others. Hey, Jess, think about this. When did the lines of the confessional start whining and disappear? And then what was corresponding to that? Violence in our culture. People stopped going to confession, and then the violence started. That's the connection I see here, Jess. Yeah, and a connection that I also see, Terry, is, is uh, people stopped going to confession yeah. once psychology became front and center Excellent. in our society. Yeah. Psychology and psychiatry replace theology. Well said. When we come back, folks, stay with us. Elon Musk and Bill Maher discuss the woke mind virus and the radicalization of the left. A little video clip. We're going to have a good chat about that and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. I like to say we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Jess Romero, 
Man, I, I love the things you pick, brother. They fire me up. Let's get to Elon Musk and Bill Mark. Set it up. Mr. Engineer, we want to play the clip of a short discussion between two liberal progressives. Yeah, really? But it seems like if they're starting to move towards the center because they're starting yeah. to see yeah. that their way of thinking, or that group think is dangerous to America. Mr. Engineer, could you play the clip? I mean, you have talked about this yeah. woke mind virus. Yes. In really apocalyptic terms, yeah. I don't. You should explain why you don't think it's hyperbole to say things like it's pushing civilization towards suicide. First of all, what is the woke mind virus? And if we don't deal with this, nothing else can get done. Tell me why you think that. Yeah. So um, I think we need to be very cautious about any, anything that is anti-meritocratic um, and anything that is uh, that that results in the suppression of of free speech. Um, so, you know, those are two of the aspects of the work mind virus that I think are very dangerous, uh, is that it's, it's often anti-meritocratic. You can't, you can't question things. Uh, even the questioning is bad. So, uh, you, know, you, you know, another way to, you know, almost synonymous would be, would be cancel culture. And obviously people have tried to cancel you many times. Many times. Yeah, I mean, you're, every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from left um, and right. I've had it from both sides. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. People, you and I are both like in that little group of people. Maybe it's a bigger group now. Yeah. Who, who are called conservative, who haven't really changed. I right. don't see, think of you as a conservative. I'm definitely, yeah, like, I, I, I at least think of myself as a moderate, uh, you know. Uh, so, I mean, uh, at least, the, like, <laughs> I've spent a, a massive amount of my life energy building sustainable energy uh, you know, electric yes. vehicles and, and batteries and solar and stuff uh, to help save the environment. That's, that's, not, that's not a... You know, no, no, no. It's, it's not exactly far right. <laughs> Good point. Well, Terry, that's where we're at right now. Uh, things have gotten so bad with the woke left that even people like Bill Moore who was the man of the left, and, and Elon Musk, who all his life he's made money on leftist causes, both of them seem to be modulating. They seem to be moving more to the center, especially Elon Musk. He seems to be moving to the center uh, uh, faster. Uh, and, and the point is, this: uh, the answer to this woke, uh, repressive ideology is the Catholic faith. Yes. It, it, because the Catholic Church has the answer. The Catholic Church has the fullness of truth. And it's only the Catholic Church that that is the answer, that is the response, that is the solution, that is the answer, that is the medicine to this woke ideology. Now, Terry and me, we're not woke. We're awake. <laughs> and that's biblical. Like Ephesians 5.14. We're awake. It says... Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, yep. and Christ will give you light. We here at VMPR, we're awake in Christ. We are not woke in progressive ideology. Terry? Yes, let me just mention something. I, You were just born. I'm a couple years older than you. But Robert F. Kennedy, as the president of the United States, as a Democrat, if he was alive today and he saw the Democrat Party, he wouldn't recognize it. Am I onto something, Jess? Of course. I mean, look at what he did. He, he cut taxes in the early 60s. He, he, had, was, for, he was for big military and a yes. powerful military, peace with strength. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't have the culture. He, it's you know, changed. He, That's just yeah, he wasn't around for Roe versus Wade or no. 
uh, or or some of these other Supreme Court decisions that was before his time. But I don't think he would have been for transgenderism, bodily mutilation. Yeah. You know, uh, drag queen story hours. No. Yeah, I don't think the Kennedys would have been down with that. And Jesse, most people I've talked to who are elderly after World War II, and they're gone now, but I've talked to people like my parents. They were Democrats, and guess what? They left the Democrat Party because of its, I'll call it wokeness, that it changed. It wasn't the party that they joined when they were young. And so I just think that Elon Musk and Bill Maher, they're starting to wake up and say, hey, wait a minute. I don't, this is wrong. I'm just I because, don't recognize this Yeah, party. why are they saying this? Because that's, that's not what we believe. But I think you have such a strong influence right now, the Democrat Party going way off, and not enough people are saying, wait a minute, I'm not going to jump with you. That's right. Terry, what I said right before. Tell me. That the Catholic Church is the only thing that could stop, stop this woke ideology. Yep. But, of course, the Catholic bishops have to be on board. They can't be part of it because they what they've done, just like that priest in the movie Nefarious. Oh, yeah. When he walked in, when he walked in the jail cell, the demon Nefarious knew the power and the authority of yes. the priest. The priest didn't, though. <laughs> but, yeah. And so initially the demon recoiled back in aversion and in fear, said, yes. get away from me. Don't get near me. Yeah. Then when the priest started talking... And making his his thoughts known publicly, putting them out in the air. Yes. Uh, the demon saw, this guy's woke. This guy's a liberal. <laughs> and then he sat down. He goes, I like you. And you know, then he's, he was friends with him. Yeah. And, and so that's the same thing we see with our bishops today. Initially. Friends with the world. They, yeah. They, demons fear the office of the bishop and a priest. Fear them. Right. But if they open their mouth. And the demons see that they're woke liberals. Yes. Then the demons are all over them. They're like, man, hey, I'm your buddy. Let me just ha- let me hang out with you. Uh, but even a Jewish philosopher by the name of Yoram Hazoni, he's uh, <clears throat> he said a while back ago at, at a national conservatism conference, this uh, this this Jewish professor Yoram Horizoni said this. He goes. The only force strong enough to stop woke neo-Marxism is Christianity. He knows it. Yeah. This is a Jewish professor who says he's looking at all the world systems out there. And he knows that that, that woke ideology, it comes from communism. He calls it neo-Marxism. He says the only force strong enough to stop woke neo-Marxism is Christianity. And here's also what he said. The U.S. was a Christian nation historically and according to its laws, and it's going to be a Christian nation again, and it's going to be a biblical nation. Well, I hope he's right about that, uh, you know, that statement that he made, that we're going to be a Christian nation once again. And he said, here's what, what we've lost, and here's what we have to regain in order to fight and defeat the woke culture. He said this, uh, Professor Hazoni, he said, we need to bring back God. Scripture, one nation under God, uh, primacy of the family, man and woman, loyalty, honor, and sanctity. He says, under liberalism, freedom becomes everything, and the main thing that you're free from is the past, from what previous generations thought, lived, conserved, and transmitted. So again, uh, good for this Jewish professor. He's, uh, He's saying that the only thing that can defeat this woke monster that we're dealing with 
is authentic Catholic Christianity. And he sounds a little bit like what he's saying. Authentic Catholic Christianity would be like uh, what Pope Pius XI said in 1925 when he instituted the Solemnity of Christ the King. And what what did he do? All he did was simply reaffirm the Catholic Church's teaching that the reign of Jesus Christ the King is supposed to encompass every human heart and will of man and also the temporal affairs of state and every nation. Nothing more and nothing less will suffice to defeat this wickedness, Terry. You know, well said. And Jesse, let's be honest. I think of what Father, or Saint, or excuse me, Bishop Robert Barron said. It's a sign of a corrupt church that stops thinking deeply about the truths of Christianity. A church that is against being precise about what its teachings are is a corrupt church. I go along to say that right now, the church has an opportunity to stand up against a woke culture, a secular humanistic world, and right now we're, we're, we're wanting to be friends with them and we're not willing to teach what we really teach, so we're not being precise, and that's one of the reasons they're kind of running over us right now, like that priest in the movie. He got run over by the devil. Why? Because he's weak and he doesn't know his priesthood. Many of our clergy all the way up have no clue to the power they have, spiritual power, and also, I might say, the role that they can play in renewing the world through Christ. I think they've dropped, they've lost their understanding of their priesthood, and that's just from my perspective, Jess. Terry, and sometimes people are putting too much emphasis in politics. Politics is not the answer. No. Okay? Remember, the Bible calls the church the pillar and foundation of truth, in 1 Timothy 3.15. Oh, not, not the, the government? Not the government. Oh. No, no, no. In other words, <laughs> truth is supposed to come from the church. Yep. And the church is supposed to correct government and form the moral conscience of government according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church 2246. Yep. And this is why when the judgment of, co- of God comes upon the earth, the judgment will come first upon uh, it'll come first upon the church. Makes sense. According to 1 Peter 4, 17, yeah, yeah. the church will be judged first. Why? Because the bishop's primary job is to teach, govern, and sanctify. The bishops are the successors of the apostles. The lady are not. We're not the successors. The bishops are. And so the bishop will render an account at his particular judgment for every soul in his diocese. Wow. Terry and myself, we'll render an account at our judgment for our wife and our children. Our domestic church is smaller than the bishops because they have the full power of an apostle, Terry. Yes, you got it. And Jesse, we are teachers, so the Bible says we're also going to be held accountable. And tonight, just I want to give a plug, we're teaching the catechism class. It's a, it's a, it's a summary of Catholic teachings using the Baltimore Catechism. Number four, and Fulton Sheen's Life is Worth Living. Anybody in Southern California wanting to review their Catholic faith, fundamentals of the faith, we start at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's a a 12-week course. And after that, if you're non-Catholic, you take that. Our priest will baptize you Catholic after 12 weeks of taking these courses. All right, Jess, when we come back, one more thought about what you just said about responsibility. You know, This is why I constantly say this, Jesse. Never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. And I say that because 
I'm going to be accountable here at my judgment seat, you know, my exit interview of everything I've said on the radio. What? Everything? Yeah, every time I take to teach a class, I give a mission, do anything that speaks about Christ and his church. Yeah, all of that. I And then not only that, I just mentioned something, Jesse, at the, at the uh, I was with my three-year-old son, and I invited a young man who was with his five-year-old daughter who was living in sin, objectively. He didn't get married. He's a Catholic, and he's willing to come to class on Tuesday. Why? Because someone invited him. I said, dude, you got to do it God's way, man. Knock it off. Nobody's ever told me that. I said, well, I'm telling that because I love you. I'm at a playground telling this man to <laughs> repent and believe in the gospel. I'm going to be accountable for that when I have my exit interview. Well, unless I could have said to him, oh, don't worry about it, dude. Have a good time. No, I couldn't say that because I'm accountable. Yes, when we come back, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, Cardinal Roche and Cantala Mesa, two cardinals that are saying the mass of Pope Paul VI corresponds to a new theology. Their new theology. Oh, wow. Wrong. Wrong. Great topic, folks. When we come back, we'll have that and much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Go ahead, Jesse. Modernism 101. (laughs) Cardinal Roche and Cardinal Cantalamesa basically have stated the Mass of Paul VI corresponds to a new theology. Yep, their new theology. Modernism. Yeah. So these two cardinals, Arthur Roche and Raniero Cantalamesa, indirectly acknowledged, perhaps unintentionally, what critics of Paul VI Novus Ordo Missae have said for over 50 years. Yeah, like, yeah, people like you know John Veneri, uh, Michael Davies, Rick Salbato, The Wanderer. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that have been saying this. Now, Terry, the modernists are admitting it. So they're vindicating what a lot of these traditional authors have said in times past. It's, they said, the new right corresponds to a new theology that represents both as a whole and in details a striking departure from the Catholic theology of the Mass as it was formulated in session 22 of the Council of Trent. On March 19, 2023, when British compatriots on BBC Radio questioned the restrictions on the celebration of the traditional Latin rite, Cardinal Roche, prefect of the Dicastery for Divine Worship, stated, quote, You know the theology of the Church has changed. Whereas before, the priests represented at a distance all the people they were channeled. Well, that what a word they were channeled. That's a, that's a new age word. Of course, they it were is. they were channeled as it were. That's what he calls a Latin mass mm-hmm. through this person who alone was celebrating the mass. It is not only the priest who celebrates the liturgy, but also those who are baptized with him, and that is an enormous statement to make. Let me just jump in for one quick note. Schillebeck, a theologian back in the fifties and sixties said that lay people can cel- can cel- they can celebrate Mass and convect the Holy Eucharist. And it was Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, the, you know, he's the one who corrected him, said you can't say that, that's not Catholic te- theology. The difference today, Jesse, is we don't have a Cardinal Ratzinger correcting people who are material heretics and stating things. And if, we, if they only would just read the Roman Missal today and also Lumen Gentium chapter 5, they would have an education. I, I, I really question whether these guys even read Vatican II. Exactly. Uh, because what they're saying, and this really supports this whole mo- uh, modernistic approach to saying that the Bible's not 
you know, relative, relevant anymore. You know, one of the cardinals said that homosexuality at St. Paul says, well, we found out that that's just not true anymore. They, they treat the Bible like it was gone with the wind. It can change with your interpretation. So the point I'm making, I got fired up with the article because I'm saying, well, the real Vatican II, please stand up because these guys are representing modernism, not Vatican II. Correct. A few days later, uh, C- Cardinal Cantalamesa, preacher of the papal household, <laughs> gave a imagine? sermon for the Roman Curia. I know. Can you imagine this guy? <laughs> Here's what he said. Quote, the Catholic liturgy underwent a transformation from an action with a strong sacred and priestly imprint. At least he admits that yeah. to a more communal and participatory action where all the people of God have their part, each with their own ministry. Well, that explains why. You know, Mrs. Robinson, Mrs. O'Connor, Mrs. Rodriguez are running all over the sanctuary. That's exactly what they wanted. And they got, yeah, well, guess what? They got exactly what they wanted. Cardinal Cantalamesa, the papal papal preacher for, I think, the last three popes, I think, he said at the beginning, but it's funny, he he changes his colors because when he was preaching for Pope Benedict and John Paul II, I I, I would read his homilies. They were very, very orthodox, very solid. Now he's uh, <clears throat> going a little left there. Make, he made a left turn now, Terry. Can I, can I tell you something? You know who, yeah. who, who taught everybody that? Uh-huh. The politician down in Argentina who actually influenced Pope Francis, and his name is Perón. Perón was a politician, and what he would do is he would say whatever he had to say to the right group of people. So let's say, I'll give you an example. You're in Hungary visiting. If you're a pope, Hungary, you would, you would be telling those people all the orthodox teachings that you're teaching. But if you're in Germany, you might be saying mm. something different because you're going to relate mm. to those people. This is Perón at his best, and this one guy's on doing it. And there's other politi- other prelates in high places doing exactly that. So Cardinal Cantalamesa says the Catholic liturgy underwent. Oh uh, well, no! He's at the beginning of the church. Yeah. He says no. He's criticizing. Three centuries. Yeah, he, yeah. He's criticizing. He, look what he says here about the about the architects of the Latin Mass. He criticized them. He called them clericalists. Look what he said. Mm-hmm. Quote: At the beginning of the church, and for the first three centuries, the liturgy was truly a liturgy. That is the action of the people. That's what liturgy means: <laughs> action of the people. Laos people is among the etymol- etymological components of the word liturgio. This is from St. Justin, from the tradition of the, of the apostles, St. Hippolytus, and other sources of the time. We obtain a vision of the Mass that is certainly closer to the Reformed one of Vatican II today than to that of the centuries behind us. What happened? The answer is an awkward word, which, however, we cannot avoid. Clericalization. In no other sphere was it more conspicuous than in the liturgy. So, Terry, he just, and then he says, Christian worship, and especially the Eucharistic sacrifice, mm-hmm. underwent a rapid transformation, both in the East and West, from being an action of the people into being an action of the clergy. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you where his error is at here. Tell us, yes, sir, you study these things. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the error that he's making is, it's called, it, it's called uh, being uh, anachronistic. In other words, things develop organically. Mm-hmm. And so what he wants to do in the 21st century, he wants to go back to a 1st, 2nd, and 3rd century Mass. Well, I would ask the Cardinal, 
if you want to actually copy the mass of St. Justin Martyr and St. Hippolytus, then maybe we should all be saying mass in cemeteries. Yes. Maybe we should all be saying mass Good in point. basements. Because there was no churches. Exactly. Maybe we should all be saying mass uh, in underground tunnels. Maybe we should all be saying mass in caves in the forest because that's the mass that St. Justin Martyr and St. Hippolytus wrote about. These were Catholics that didn't have a building. These were Catholics that were trying to to, to celebrate mass uh, and worship God, uh, you know, using the natural things, the elements, just like the Cristeros. The same thing. The Cristeros, the churches were taken away. So when you see the pictures of the Cristeros doing the Latin mass, where was it at? In the open field. So if, if, if Cardinal Cantalamesa really wants to go back to the second and third century church of St. Justin Martyr and St. Hippolytus, yep. the reason that liturgy was very simple, as simple as possible, they didn't have an altar. They didn't have altar rails. They didn't have a sanctuary. They didn't have a tabernacle with the Eucharist inside. They didn't have vestments. Yep. These were Catholics that were hiding from the Roman Empire exactly. that were trying to worship God as best as they could, uh, being fugitives from justice. Jesse, preach it, brother. That's that's the facts, what you just said. And just, just a, another quick note, because we got more here, but I want to pull Pius Twelfth. Uh, he said this in the 1950s. He lamented the lack of full active participation in the Mass as part of the laity. He was referring to people being at Mass as like silent spectators, saying their own private prayers, rosaries. I remember experiencing that, where people would pray the rosary during Mass, and they wouldn't be focusing on what was taking place. <clears throat> I've noticed, though, that when I go to Trinitine Masses now, for the last 30 years, they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. They actually are making an effort to understand what's going on at that Mass, and it's very beautiful, I might add. So Vatican II did not call for a lady to be in the sanctuary during the Mass. Vatican II did not even call for the canon of the Mass, the Eucharistic prayer, to be said in the vernacular. Vatican II allowed for appropriate place to be allotted for the vernacular of the Mass, but our full active participation is uniting ourselves This is active participation to Jesus as he offers himself to the Father on our behalf to offer Jesus in union with the priest, not as ordained ministers that some people would say, but as lay faithful, we offer our entire lives with Jesus. As Monsignor Harris said this morning at Mass, he said the way you offer your Mass is go to the sacraments, live your faith, love your faith, and share your faith. The sanctuary is the domain of the priest. The lay faithful are called to sanctify the temporal order. You want to hear where that came from? Christophidelis in the 1980s after Vatican II. St. John Paul II made that clear. Now, what's happening is just the opposite because Mrs. Garcia, Mrs. Barber, no, no, sorry, yeah. I mean, Mrs. Romero. Now, in other words, lay people think that they have a right to be up there. They don't, but that's not being implemented. That's my take, Jess. And here's a, here's also where Cardinal Cantalemesa, he misses it. Oh, man. He misses it bad. Yeah. And I'm going to let Father John Carapi correct him. He's so good. Father John Carapi in his catechism, verse by verse, he says that the Holy Mass is a theandric action. Look at the word. It's a thea. That's Greek. That's God. Theandric action. He says it's the action of the God man. Wow. Which transcends time and space because the God man is eternal. This is how Jesus in the person of the priest consecrates bread and wine and changes it into his body and blood. 
It's a theandric action, the action of the God-man, the union of divine and human operation in Christ, or the joint agency of divine and human nature in the person of Christ. Only the priest Beautiful. can do that. A, a lay person in the pew sitting in the nave can't participate in the theandric action. Good distinction. He can, he can watch it, yeah. and he can participate unite by, by uniting himself yeah. in prayer exactly. with his soul. You know, that's intentionally, I unite myself to this mass, my, my mind, body, and soul, but only the priest can actually do the theandric action of the God-man. Well, thank you, Father John Karapi, for making yeah, that distinction. I, I brought him out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, out of cancellation, should I say. Yeah. So is, is it according to Catholic dogma to say that the Eucharistic sacrifice is an action of the people and that it became an action of the clergy through improper clericalization? It is not. In the Holy Mass, the celebrant is not merely a president of the assembly, but only the sacerdotes offering the sacrifice in persona Christi. Yeah, in the person of Christ. To dispel any doubt, it is enough to read what Pius XII teaches in his encyclical Mediator Dei. He says, quote, Only to the apostles, and thenceforth those on whom the, their successors have imposed hands, is granted the power of the priesthood of, in virtue of which they represent the person of Jesus Christ before the people, acting at the same time as representatives of their people before God. Wow, maybe both those cardinals should have just read Pius XII <laughs> and they wouldn't have wrote such a mis- such error. Jesse, let's just take a few more seconds when we come back, a minute or two on this topic and finish up. You just nailed oh, no, no, it, We're going to continue talking about it. I love it because there's a... What's more central than the Eucharist, the Mass? Stay with us, family. We're having yeah. too much fun. I hope yeah. you're enjoying it as much as I am. We'll be back. Stay, stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. I'm having fun, Jess. We're talking about a document. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an article quoting two cardinals, two active cardinals, yeah. that uh, have basically said that the Latin Mass, the architects of the Latin Mass, they clericalized it, and he's talking about going back to a. Uh, it's it's they're trying to defend the mass of Pope Paul the Sixth. Right. I think as the as the old as the only expression of the Latin rite. That's that's where they're oh, going yeah. with this. Yeah, that this should be the only way to celebrate the Latin rite, and they're critical of the Latin Mass. The article says, therefore, in Holy Mass, the priest acts for the people. Only because he represents Jesus Christ, who is the head of all his members, and offers himself in their stead. Hence, he goes to the altar as the minister of Christ, inferior to Christ, but superior to the people, according to St. Robert Bellarmine. The people, on the other hand, since they in no sense represent the divine Redeemer and are not mediators between themselves and God, can in no way possess sacerdotal power. By the way, that's why lay people shouldn't be raising their hands uh, during church. Well said. Because you're not... You're, you don't have sacerdotal power within the context of the liturgy. It's, it says, undoubtedly, the faithful represent must the faithful present must participate in the sacrifice of the priest at the altar with the same sentiments. That's what Terry was talking about. Yeah. That Jesus Christ had on the cross, and together with Him and through Him, let them make their oblation in union with Him. Let them offer them up themselves. In other words, 
It, it's something that's, it's a spiritual, intentional thing that we do by prayer, by kneeling down, by surrendering our intellect and our will to what's happening at mass. And just let me just but jump we're not, in. We're, but we're not little priests. Exactly. And just think about the saints over the centuries that have been going to the Trinitine Mass and getting spiritual benefits for centuries. And, you know, I say this because even the Holy Father came out when he was in Hungary saying that he belittled the devotion to the Latin Mass as a nostalgic disease. Wow. I mean, he's missing the point. Holy Father, with all due respect, I and Jesse, I respect Pope Francis's um, post as the Pope. I believe he is the Pope, and he has yep. responsibilities and powers. But when he belittles something that has become, you know, you can't, as Pope Benedict XVI say, says that it can't be a holy sacrifice of the Mass at one point and then you know, years later saying that it's not a valid expression. What's holy is holy, irregardless of time. How can you say something after 1,600 years point. of being offered in the Catholic Church in the West? Yeah. All of a sudden it becomes unholy. It doesn't work that, that way. Yeah, that's, that's, that doesn't even make sense. That's, that's just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. I want to go right to, it says, where it says, the Capuchin preacher of the papal household, Cardinal Cantalamesa, yeah. Further sank into quicksand when he <laughs> when he stated that the early Christian communities had a vision of the mass that is certainly closer to the reformed one, the Novus Ordo Messe, than to that of the centuries behind us. If this were true, there would be two possibilities. First bullet: in the best case scenario, the vision of the mass embodied in the new mass of Paul VI would represent a theological regression. Because from the early to the third to the second half of the 20th century, there was an organic development of the deposit of faith concerning the priesthood and the sacrifice of the altar. That is, there are better theological understandings. Indeed, going back from a relatively recent past to a more ancient and original one is not enrichment, as Cardinal Cantalamesa stated, but an impoverishment exactly. since it deprives the church's vision of the mass of uh, uh, of the mass of the light coming from the dogmatic definitions of the second the second Nicaea, fourth Lateran friend uh, Florence and the Council of Trent and also the insights of many giants of theology and Eucharistic devotion saints like Thomas Aquinas, yeah. Robert Bellarmine, <laughs> Leonard Portmaurice and Peter Julian Emiard. Oh I would just I would just go from scripture to here. Yes. Jesus Christ says that the faith is like a mustard seed and it's going to grow into a big, large tree with many branches. So the mass that was done in caves, in cemeteries, in people's houses, yes. because they were on the run from the Roman Empire. Right. It's once the Roman Empire that we had the uh, the Edict of Milan from Emperor Constantine and religious liberty was given to Catholics. Now the mass, now they can start buying golden chalices. They can start buying uh, altar candles. They could start buying all you know altars. Yeah. Uh, they could start. In other words, ad- ad- adorning. Yep. The, the Buying churches. Yep. Adorning the churches with statues and images and icons. They couldn't do that in the second and third century. That's why the mass was simple. It. But but after the relig- religious liberty was given to the church, now the mass, just like theology and doctrine, started organically developing and becoming more richer as we started plumbing the depths of the holy sacrifice of the mass. And what is our takeaway? Remember, when you go to mass, whether it's today or on Sunday, if you get the daily mass, that's awesome. 
whether it's the Novus Ordo Mass, whether it's the Trinitine Mass, whether it's the Anglican Ordinariate Mass, there's 22 rites in the Catholic Church, okay? And they're all valid Masses. But here's the point. Unite yourself with that one reactment of Calvary that takes place at every Catholic Mass so that even, even when you have liturgical abuses, and it's hard for me to even participate when I go to a Mass where they have these liturgical abuses, I close my eyes and I stay away from them. They can get me once, but they won't get me back a second time. So I offer and I make reparation for the sacrileges that are going on in Catholic churches. And we've heard about them using a benediction, using a guitar, or you know, having a balloon mass, all that well, stuff. It's is, on YouTube. <laughs> yes, of course, and it's horrible. Yeah, and it's yeah. And, and it needs to be it needs to be reconciled by uh, by atonement, by reparation for this. But my yeah. point is, get to mass, know that you're present at that one eternal sacrifice, that Calvary, and that is a game changer. I mentioned that last week to about. 87 or 88 college students in uh, Cal Poly Pomona last Wednesday. And, you know, they were like, wow, that's that's the Mass? Yeah, that's faith. But we know that uh, the Mass is the source and summit. Once we understand the Mass, it all changes everything. Thinking about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. How many Catholics even say this, Jesse? Jesus is in the bread and the wine. No, he's not! That's even in the songs, in Catholic songs. Yes, and that's that's in our churches. That's wrong. Yeah. And you got to take a lay, bald-headed old guy like me, Jesse, to tell them they're wrong. That's how bad it is. But you know what, lay people who are listening? You know the faith. Check it out in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Know that no one has the power to change what the Mass is. And we know that when we go to Mass, we're present at that one eternal sacrifice. Yes? Yep. Yeah, you have your hardline Latin Mass only Catholics, and I know a lot of them. Well, I have friends that are like this. Yeah, but then you also have your your entrenched, yeah. you know, Novus Ordo Mass Catholics that are saying, "No, nah, I, I want nothing to do with the Latin Mass." Well, I I consider myself part of a third camp. Yeah. This is a demographic of Catholics. Uh, I, I I say this: I Jesse Romero accept both forms of the Mass. Amen. But here's my position, and yeah. it's funny, when I, I, I've been saying this for a long time, and I just recently read Scott Hahn. He also said the same thing. I yeah. didn't borrow from him. I've no, been no. saying this for years. Well, but we agree. Scott Hahn says, and that's was my position, Catholics need to recognize the validity of the Novus Ordo Mass and the objective superiority of the traditional Latin Mass. Yeah. That's been my position there you go. for years. There you, go. I, I, you can go to both Masses, and you yeah. can see which one has richer prayers, deeper theology. There's more mystery. Without yeah. a doubt, the Latin Mass. Of course. But both are valid because both come from popes, so I accept both forms of the Mass. And I can't get to a Latin Mass every day. I mean, the, the FSSP parish is 45 minutes from my house. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I can't get there every day. Right. And so, but I accept both forms of the Mass. I'm not the Pope. Uh, pope Paul VI and, and St. Uh, Pius V... They're the popes, and they had the authority because of the popes, the vicars of Christ, to do what they did. Uh, now, if they did something wrong, let's just say, suppose they did something wrong. Who, uh, I'm not a canon lawyer. I'm not. Uh, I don't run the, the 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 tribunal in Rome. You're not if, managing if, if, just No, if anyone if anyone did something wrong, yep. Then guess what? They stood before the judgment seat of Christ, exactly. and they already rendered an account for it. Yeah, well said. And Jesse, this is why we're here at VMPR, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you're a brand new listener, uh, get our app because there's a lot of resources on that uh, app. Just go to vmpr.org, download the free app. You can hear us anywhere in the world that way, not just on your AM station. 
but just this is such an important topic to mass and i and i get people who say to me oh i haven't been to mass in years and you know we want to encourage people invite people back when we had our procession over the weekend a Marian shrine procession around the church and around the city of Covina. We invited people to our church to come to Mass. They had thumbs up. They, they loved Catholic expressions of piety, bringing out Our Lady. We were praying the rosary. So we need to stop, and I, this is my take, having the liturgical wars and, and more focusing on our faith and bringing people in because what's happening, Jesse, in my opinion, is we're battling among each other while souls are going to hell. Yeah. And so let's focus on the salvation of souls as the number one thing, as canon law says. If souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls are not saved, nothing is saved. Yeah. I'll make it very simple. How, how should you behave and comport yourself during Holy Mass? Yeah. Simple. Hit it. Mass is the eternal... Uh, uh, the eternal sacrifice of Calvary made present. It's not a happy meal. Mm-hmm. It's not a large family me- reunion. Right. It's Calvary made present. The mass is not supposed to be entertainment. Nope. The mass is medicine for your soul. Yes. That's why we say, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. At mass, you're standing right next to Our Lady, St. Mary Magdalene, St. John the Apostles, do you think it's proper to be with a tambourine jumping around with your, with your hands up in the air? I'm sorry. Hooping and hollering. You think that would be fitting? Is that a Calvary? For that, for that so. eternal moment of no. Calvary made present? No. Not at all. Once you understand that the Mass is the once and for all sacrifice of Calvary made present in the eternal now of sacred time. Wow. Then that will change the way the you rest at Mass and the way you act, the way you think, the way you comport and behave at Holy Mass. You're at Calvary, as that black Protestant hymn says, were you there when you crucified my Lord? Guess what? <laughs> when you went to Mass, you were there. Wow, what a great show, Jesse. I just love talking about the Mass and about worship of God, because, hey, you know what? That's who what we do as Catholics. Yes, more importantly, not more importantly, in addition to worshiping properly at Mass, what state should we be living in, brother? State of sanctifying grace. And guess what? Receiving Holy Eucharist at Mass, it helps you remain in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Uh, if you do so, you will end up, and don't repent, you're going to end up going to a place where there's a lot of global warming. Yep. Pray your rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. Be holy or die trying. Up next, Bishop Strickland. Oh, yes, Bishop Strickland's up next today. You want to hear a strong bishop speak the truths of the faith? Stay tuned. If you don't have it on your station, get the free app by going to vmpr.org. Remember what Our Lady said at Fatima. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. That's us right now. What sacrifices are you willing to make for the salvation of souls? One of them is getting to more masses. Right. Get to Mass as often as you can. May God richly bless you and your family.